This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com. Let's get a few things out of the way before today's interview. First of all, everyone who came up to me and said hello at the Marshall, Texas Health Fest, it was great to see you. It was wonderful to realize that so many people showed up who are podcast listeners, and some of you even showed up because I talked about it on the podcast with Ed and Amanda Smith. That's a wonderful feeling for me to know that this podcast is having a tangible influence. And it also helps me to, uh, to reach out to other potential guests if I can sort of brag a little and say, hey, here's, here's what happens when you appear on this show. So thank you all. It was wonderful to see you and wonderful to learn from so many of you. Second thing, next week, I'm going to be in New Orleans, New Orleans, sorry, Josh, New Orleans, for the Crescent City Classic 10K. So all my plant-based uh, Big Easy friends, please come and say hello, uh, preferably before the race when I can still make complete sentences. Third thing, Josh Lajani and I are putting together another program called Get Moving. And what it is, it's it's kind of an extraction of the moving piece from the Big Change program. So if you're a person who's already mastered plant-based eating and you're eating really well, but you're sort of glued to the couch a little more than you'd like to be, and you'd like to add exercise, movement, exertion, walking, jogging, running, all that natural human movement to your protocol, to your daily protocol, that's what we're going to be doing. It's going to be a three-month course. Um cost a little bit less than $300, and it will be chock full of interaction, of information, of live calls, of recordings, of videos, of PDFs. Uh, it's not open yet. This is the sort of pre-enrollment phase, so probably it'll be open in a couple of weeks. But if you would like to get on the wait list and to be first in line when we do open, just send me an email, hj at plantyourself.com, and just say something like, I'm interested in Get Moving. And I'll send you a pre-announcement. It's like pre-boarding, uh, the, the premium members at Delta. So uh, pre-announcement so you can uh, get first in line. We're not going to take that many people in the program because we've realized how important it is that everyone gets a, a, a good share of our personal attention and coaching. So I'm not quite sure, maybe 30, 40 people altogether. And we've got a big list, and we're also partnering with Glenn Livingston of Never Binge Again to offer it to his folks. So again, if you'd like to be in the pre-boarding section, your, your Sky Miles account, just email me, hj at plantyourself.com. Also, if you haven't yet, you can download my free report on how to read labels like a ninja so you can protect yourself and your family from crappy ingredients and fake healthy food. You can get that at plantyourself.com label, and you'll also receive a complimentary subscription to the Big Change Bulldog, my weekly newsletter, except when it's not, when I forget to send it out, uh, with lots of information about the podcast, about your health, and about dietary and movement and mindset improvements you can make to live a happier, healthy, more connected, more joyful life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Finally, big thanks to a couple of people who stepped up to help transcribe podcast episodes. Um, I had put in a call because a reader who is um, hearing impaired or deaf asked if there can be transcripts, which seemed like a perfectly reasonable request to me, except when I looked into it, it was really expensive, like a dollar a minute for transcription. But two folks, Tracy Scharf and Marjorie Leon, both popped up and said, we will do some transcription for you for free. We enjoy listening to the show and we enjoy reading. And so each of them is, is uh, churning out a bunch. Now, it's not going to... Um, 
make a huge dent in the 200 plus episodes we have. So if there are folks who want to, you know, not transcribe, but share some cash so that job can get done so that everyone can benefit, can get access to these remarkable conversations, that would be great. But Tracy and Marjorie have already stepped up and there's a whole bunch of them, uh, some of my favorites and some of the ones that I find myself recommending to clients uh, on their own journeys are already transcribed or in the process. And now to today's show. My guest is Kim Campbell. I've known Kim for many years. She's a neighbor here in North Carolina. Her husband, Nelson Campbell, the son of Dr. T. Colin Campbell, is the director of the documentary Plant Pure Nation, which you should see if you haven't. And extra points if you find the one and a half second cameo of me in there. I have hair. I'm wearing a blue shirt and I have a camera around my neck. And if you blink, you'll miss me. And and Kim is the culinary powerhouse behind the whole Plant Pure Nation endeavor. And from the film, they're really making their mark now with these Plant Pure Nation entrees, frozen entrees, and ingredient packs that are helping people transition. I have some clients who, no matter what we try, they really don't have the time or the skill or the confidence to do their own cooking and I finally just said, hey, just order the Plant Pure Nation 21-day pack, and all of a sudden, like, all their problems are solved. These foods are delicious. It's way more than one person can eat per entree, so it's actually like 42 days of food. And I've tasted them myself. I was on the team where we were developing them and, uh, and creating them en masse in, in kitchens for the early jump starts. That's how you know you're underhanded when you need me to help out in the kitchen. And Kim has been working extremely hard to collect all these recipes and especially to make recipes that are already familiar to people because the folks that they're working with and they worked with the, from the jump starts are not sort of, you know, urban intellectual foodies. These are people from rural communities who really enjoy their familiar foods, you know, hamburgers, spaghetti and meatballs, tacos, lasagna, you know, beef stew, and so Kim really understood the importance of taking familiar, regular old dishes and making them healthier so that people could make that transition without needing to discover, you know, millet and quinoa and nutritional yeast and a whole bunch of weird concepts and ingredients that are just counter to their culture. So Kim came over. It was her birthday. And she had, came over to the uh, world headquarters of the Plant Yourself podcast. Someday I'll take a picture for you so you can see... Uh, you know, our humble beginnings where we still are after uh, almost three years. And um, she brought me some granola and we had a great conversation about the whole journey and where it's going. So without further ado, Kim Campbell, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you for having me, Howie. I'm pleased to be here. Yeah. So, so we're here to talk about, so we're sharing, we're sharing a mic. So I'm, I might come in a little soft when I, before I remember to, to lean over because you're actually at the, uh, the world shed quarters of the, uh, <laughs> of the Plant Yourself podcast, my little shed in the woods. So I'm so grateful that you came out and also on your birthday. So happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah. 53 yeah. years young today. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm almost there. So we wanted to talk about your, your new cookbook, which I'm going to awkwardly reach over the mic. To, to pull up the Plant Pure Kitchen, 130 mouth-watering whole food recipes and tips for a plant-based life. And also wanted to chat with you about the whole Plant Pure Nation thing and, and all that. But first, let's just find out more about you. Like, 
you didn't grow up in a plant-based family. No. So let's let's no. you know, let's let's get your backstory to start. So my father was a dairy farmer, um, and his father was one of the largest dairy farmers in Cuga County in upstate New York. So my father went to college for agriculture and dairy. So and I was born on the dairy farm, and that that really is is the core of of who I am um, growing up. But we also had big gardens. Um, my mother was a wonderful cook. Uh, we ate foods. My, she, she prepared most of her foods. We didn't eat processed foods. I, I thought at the time that we were eating a really healthy diet. So, and I was always interested in nutrition. So that's, that's my background. And, and of course, I like to say that my parents aren't plant-based now, but they're not uh-huh. <laughs> working on that. Always working on that. So are they, um, when you say they're not plant-based, it's like you're not 100% or 80%? They're, not, they're, 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 just, they're just very traditional, standard American diet uh, uh-huh. eaters. And, and, and they think, I think since they've gotten older, they've relied more on the processed foods because my mother doesn't cook as much as she used to. Um, she's, she's a wonderful cook, and she, she's cooked out of my cookbook, and a lot of the recipes in my cookbook were my mother's um, tried and true recipes, very traditional. And that was my philosophy going into jump starts and providing recipes and creating the cookbook was to create familiar traditional recipes. Cause that's how I was raised. Mm. Yeah. So I want to put a pin in that. Cause that's something that I did notice going, just going through the cookbook and going through your previous one mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, tasting the meals at the jump starts is mm-hmm. how familiar they were Right to to someone like if you didn't mention that they were plant based or plant pure, like it wouldn't really cross somebody's mind to think, oh, this is a different kind of diet. Right, right. Well, I think it already feels different for people to go plant based or vegan. Um, I'm going to use those words interchangeably because I, I tend to do that. But it already feels so unusual and so different that why. Why start eating tempeh if you're not used to eating tempeh? Start with what you know. If you like potatoes, eat potatoes. Um, if you like beans, then eat those chickpeas and red beans. Don't go to red lentils if you, if you aren't familiar with them. So I, I really think that's, that's the best way to walk into it because it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be different. And it doesn't have to be uncomfortable. And as you get better at it, that's when you start to dabble with the foods that are a little bit different or unique. Right. Yeah. So when you uh, met Nelson, was he plant-based at that point? No, because when I met, met Nelson, we were 16, and Colin was still doing his research in China. And they were, you know, they also were transitioning and still using a bit of meat here and there and, you know, butters and cheeses, but a lot, lot less than they were prior to that. So... I got to watch that very that transition that happened when he was in high school, and then as he went to college, he got better at it. I got better at it, and then we got married when we were uh, 23, and we were still doing things that weren't 100% plant based. So for for us, it was a journey, and it was a gradual journey, and um, I don't I don't know any other way to do it. I know that now people wake up and they're plant-based the next day, but there's so many more resources and so many more options out there than there ever, ever were then. So you guys met, you were basically just a couple of kids from, from dairy farming backgrounds. Yep, exactly. And the only, the difference was that your family wasn't least sort of leading the charge. You, you were, was there, was there ever any like 
tension. Like, and I ask this because so many people that I coach and that I work with, like the husband wife thing is such a dance, you know, wanting the other person to be well, but getting some knowledge, like one person watches forks over knives or read the China study and then wants to drag the other person along. Did you guys have any not, of that dance? Not really because we, I was so interested in nutrition and what his dad was doing and had so much respect for him. Uh, that, that food was never, we, we never had any disagreements about what we should be doing, even though we could have always been doing it better. Um, the interesting part of that story is that my father uh, worked at Cornell in the ag department, and his, his uh, profession was dairy education. Mm. And Nelson's father worked in human ecology, and his, you know, obviously his profession was nutritional science. So that was really interesting. <laughs> I probably shouldn't go into that too much, but you want to talk about two very different paths in our family. Sometimes it's it's a, it's a, it's a Dharma and Greg moment. If you've ever <laughs> seen that sitcoms, Dharma and Greg, sometimes I feel like when we go to one house and we go to the other house, it's just so different. You have to readjust. <laughs> uh-huh. any, any tense moments around the, the, the Thanksgiving table when um, the, the in-laws got together? Not too much because I don't, no, no, not too much. We don't, we don't all get get together. Um, it's, it's not very often that the two parents will get together, but you know, they, they're friendly and they, they all get along. And when Nelson and I go to my parents' house, my mother cooks the way she always does. And we eat around the meat or I cook things and I bring things there. There really isn't that tension. They, they, they know how we eat and they're, they're pretty respectful of it for, for the most part, mm-hmm. but they aren't going to eat that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, but you became interested in nutrition. So like that's become your became your profession long right. before you started doing cookbooks and, right. uh, and being, you know, married to a movie star. Right. When I was in high school, I thought I wanted to go into nursing, something in the, in the field of health, and then decided on dietetics because I love to cook and I love nutrition and the science behind it. So I set off to college to become a dietetics major, only to learn that that wasn't the nutrition that I was interested in teaching. And if I had to do it over again, I think I would have, you know, stuck with the program so I could wear the RD hat. And I didn't. I ended up going into education. So what, what bothered you about what you were learning? It was basically the four, the four basic food groups back then. It was, you know, dairy and, and meat and protein. And it was very traditional. I took a course at Cornell called Maternal and Child Nutrition. And the focus was on making sure that kids, you know, had, had their milk and their calcium and their protein. And I took it with Nelson's sister. I, rem- I remember sitting there looking at her and rolling our eyes thinking, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> Is that Leanne? Yeah, Leanne, right. And, I mean, was, was it based on science? Was, I mean, what were they, what were they, I think you know? a, I think a lot of what they, what they teach in these traditional programs is based on what the industry passes down to them dairy industry, the meat industry. I think there's so much information out there that is misinformation. I just saw a great documentary this weekend called What the Health? And it really talks about why we're so confused because there's there's so much information out there that's inaccurate and information that's put out by supposedly organizations that have our best interest, like the American Heart Association, the American Diabetic Association, um, the Susan B. Coleman, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we wrote about them yes. in, in whole. Yes. So. 
I just had a conversation with my mother um, this morning because my father's had a lot of health issues and I keep, I've been pushing plant-based, plant-based on them. And I, I, I keep telling her, I, I won't tell you one more time, but I, then I have to say it one more time. <laughs> but she said to me, I'm so confused. I'm so confused because we go to the physician and he tells us one thing. You're telling us something different. They've had friends that have sent them information off the internet and links, and I'm always sending them Dr. Greger's links. And my parents are thoroughly confused, and they don't know what to believe um, because I think the industry, the government, physicians aren't educated. They've done a beautiful job of making this very confusing. So you, so you dropped out. I dropped the, out, the dietetic yes. program. Mm -hmm. Good. I think it's a... It's a um, you know, it's a badge of honor, the, mm -hmm. the educational opportunities that we turn our backs on mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to, uh, to, to forge our own path. So what did you do after that around, I think you, you were a teacher, right? Yeah, I, I ended up getting my, I got my degree in something called human service studies, which is adult education with a concentration in nutrition and human development. And I ended up going back to school to get my degree in teaching. And so from there, I, I taught elementary school. I had three children, so I was at home for many of those years. And then for about half of the years, I was teaching in their schools, going to school with them, which was, was uh, a challenge, to say the least. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. So at that, at that point, were you always, like, making recipes or, you know? Like, I was. Like, um, you know, with, as, as you transitioned to this cleaner pure way of eating mm -hmm. did did you like get seduced by the tempeh and the quinoa and all the new I foods i did i did and but when we we were first starting there weren't those foods i mean it was pretty much brown rice and, and white rice um there were there wasn't the internet so you could find a million recipes on the internet like you can now so i i was of course using moose wood and arrowhead mills you know those tried and true vegan cookbooks so I started doing a lot of developing my own recipes, going to very traditional cookbooks and veganizing them, I, I call it, and playing around with food. And I really enjoyed it. And Nelson's a great eater. He eats everything I make and he's so <laughs> positive. Food has never been an issue between the two of us because we both like to eat and he likes, likes the food I prepare. And the kids were very easy. They were all pretty good eaters. So I really enjoyed, it was kind of a hobby. And I'd always done it since the kids were little. And uh, that's and Nelson had said to me years ago, you should write a cookbook. You should write a cookbook. And I had no idea how to write a cookbook. And I didn't even know if my recipes were all that good because he loves everything I cook. So how do I know if it's really good? <laughs> yeah. Right. You, you need to go find some picky eaters. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Right, so that, that was the jump start. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So were you were you writing these things down as you you're keeping I, records? I I did. Um, I you know I had I knew a lot of them in my head. But when we started doing jump starts back in I think it was 2011, um, Nelson wanted me to use the recipes that we had been feeding and raising the kids on. So you know things like lasagna, spaghetti and veggie balls, potato salad. Those were the recipes that we fed our very first jump start crew coming in, and. They loved all of the recipes. I can't say that there was one that they, you know, really didn't like. We tried to keep it really familiar. Um, but I'll tell you, it was nerve-wracking because we're feeding people all of this delicious plant-based food. And my father-in-law is telling us, you're going to get results in 10 days. You're going to get great results. But you don't know that for sure. You know, you don't, you don't 
you don't really know if you're going to get the biometric numbers. I've always believed what he's told me, but are we going to get it in 10 days? That was my biggest concern. And we did. And the numbers were phenomenal. See, I, di- I didn't know that. I didn't know that, uh, that uh, Dr. Collin mm-hmm. was the source of that 10 days. I thought Nelson, you know, because I was involved in, the, in those yeah. early days. And I kind of kept my mouth shut because, you know, Nelson's is such a optimistic, positive, can-do guy. I didn't want to, like, you know, yeah. rain on anything. But I'm like, 10 days. I'm not sure you're going to see anything in 10 days. And yeah. when the results came in... I mean, my jaw dropped. Oh yeah, the very first. I don't. I don't know if you were there for the very first one we did in Hillsboro. No, Maui, I wasn't. But, um, those, those numbers were. I mean, we had people drop a hundred points, and and uh, I, on cholesterol. Yes, a hundred points on cholesterol. And then when we, I remember the morning we got the results. I was just doing a dance out the door because it, it was better than I had ever expected. And Colin was with us, and he said, "You know, you probably could have gotten those results in seven days." And now, you know, I believe I'm 100%. I think if people, you know, do this and they go into it 100% every meal, every day for seven days, I do think they'll have results. Well, I mean, I, I started getting that idea when, when I was working on Whole with Dr. Colin. And um, he talked about, like, the rapidity of the results you get and the, and the mechanisms. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here now, like, you, you saw me limping. My, uh, my calves are, like... Um, you know, on fire from a, from a marathon two days ago. And if I tried to run another marathon today, my calves would hurt for another two days. And if I tried to run another one every two days, but you know what, if I just stop for three days and rest, they'll be fine. And I think the way people are treating their bodies with food, like if they, you know, maybe seven days, maybe three days, I don't think we've done the research to see how quickly the body can start building itself up again and re-regulate and normalize once we feed it what it's supposed to be fed. Right, because the body is a healing machine. It, it's, it's intricate, it's complicated, and you know, every time you get an injury, your body it heals pretty quickly, um, unless you know, you're 90 years old and it, your immune system is not as strong, but I think it's, I think it's pretty amazing what, what our bodies can do. Um, and, we, and we've heard this, the, the fun part about being involved at Plant Pure Nation and uh, touring after we did the film was meeting all of the people people that recovered by the, being on the plant-based diet it's kind of like that 10-day moment you you know you know you're going to get results but you don't know you're going to get them that you know and, and that i guess those extremes when we traveled we met people that had heart disease cancer diabetes and had completely reversed and we heard those stories over and over and over. And every time I heard one, I got in the, sto- in the car and I would say, you are never going to believe this story I just heard. And, and I have a lot of them. And they're, they're, they're so inspiring. So I'm, I'm still trying to convince my parents to do this, to wake up tomorrow and be plant-based. <laughs> okay, what, what are their names? Carl and Mary Ann. <laughs> Car- Carl and Mary Ann. This is Howie. You guys got to try this. <laughs> try it for 21 days. Just do, a, just do a, your biometrics, okay? Yeah. Well, now we have food. We have food, so there's no excuses. Um, we, uh, let's let's yeah, let's talk about the the, the food. I mean, let's, let's talk about the evolution of it, yeah. And then you know, and then what you guys have now. So you made meals for the Jump Start. Mm-hmm. At first, it was just a bunch of people at your house, or then you had no, a, com- a kitchen, a commercial. We kitchen? We had a commercial kitchen. Um, actually, we, we moved. We moved. We had two different commercial kitchens, and that's when you were involved with the second one. 
um, and we were doing fresh jump starts. And there were a lot of logistics wrapped around the fresh fresh jump starts, just getting the food to the people, hiring the people that can produce the food, and you know, just ten days of breakfast, lunch. Well, we did at the time you were there, we were doing lunch and dinner, so it was grueling. I mean, it, 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 there, there were there were no breaks. There were these were not forty hour weeks, so we knew we couldn't sustain doing fresh jump starts forever. And that was when we came up with the idea of doing frozen, you know, flash freezing food so that people could have it and store it and eat it when they not, when they needed to. So then they could do jumps. We could do jump starts all across the country, not just in North Carolina. So what did, what did you learn? I know that the, the recipes have changed and some of the dishes were swapped out. And I, I know you said everybody loved the first 10. What kind of feedback were you looking for and did you get to come up with like this, you know, the golden all-stars of, uh, you know, 20, 20 meals? You know, there's a lot of parameters around frozen food, Howie. Uh, it's not, it's, it's not what you think. You can't just pick a recipe and say, oh, we're going to freeze that. that. That's a great recipe. You, you can't freeze potatoes very well. Um, certain sauces will break because if they're oil-free, um, they'll break and, and almost look curdled when, when you heat them up. So there were a lot of parameters around frozen, and the guidelines were were difficult. It, it took it took cooking to a whole new level. It was food science. Mm. <laughs> so we so we had that, and then we had to look at what what our most popular recipes were. So we went through both cookbooks, um, and we're still doing that because we're still developing more recipes. We're at ten now. Hopefully, we'll be at twenty by the end of the summer. I'll give you an example. One that we struggled with was macaroni and cheese. Seems like a simple frozen meal um but when you are taking out oil and you know reducing your nuts down to a certain level it it just it just makes it difficult certain pastas freeze really well certain pastas don't so we had to look at that um it's it's food science yeah so you said now now you have this line of frozen foods can you describe it so we have I'll probably forget what all the meals are, but you can go on the plantpurenation.com website and find out what the 10 meals are. Um, and then we have a dry line called Plant Pure Kitchen Starters. And our dry line is kind of like, I hate to use this analogy, Nelson always uses it. Um, it's like a hamburger helper of Plant Pure. And what we do is we provide a, a lot of the dry ingredients and then you add, maybe it's beans, maybe it's fresh vegetables, um, maybe it's a plant-based milk, but you add, add that component to the meal. And what's nice about plant pure kitchen starters is they are, they serve four people, four hearty servings. So each serving is a meal if you follow the directions. So if you're plant-based and you want your family to do this, plant pure kitchen starters is a great way to do it. Um, I, I like the frozen line too. And I think, I think that's wonderful. I like the kitchen starters because it gives people some creativity kind of like a, a meal kit style, but you have to buy the, the produce. Right, and that solves the, one of the biggest problems with those meal kit delivery services, which I was also involved in for a little while, is right. just the logistics of getting fresh produce to people all over the country is, it's the, it's the highest technology you can imagine. You think the iPhone is complicated. Mm -hmm. try, try getting a, 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 you know, a stalk of celery from, yeah. uh, from you know, Boston to California along with everything else that has to go into that recipe. And mm -hmm. so if you, and, and what I like about it is, you know, your, your model is it's a very sort of step-by-step -step model. You can take someone who has no experience and they can 
pay the most for the pre-cooked meals. They can then get the starters, pay a little bit less, and then get their own. They can get your cookbook and pay a lot less and do it all on their own. And then at a certain point, they don't even need your cookbook. Right. Right. They, they, they can become intuitive and just yeah. cook the things Becomes they like. Natural. So it's, it's sort of a power uh, process of, of stepwise empowerment. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we really want at Plant Pure is to empower people to be independent, healthy eaters. And, you know, maybe use the, the, the frozen line as a supplement to what they're already doing. We keep them in our freezer. It's great just to have them on hand. But um, and then education. It's really important, and that's that's one of my passions is teaching people how to do this. So we offer 21 days of education, and if you want, you can buy the food with it, or you can just do the education. And we have videos, we have um, prezies, uh, documents that we send to people, and all different. You know, we have physicians, physician videos. We have prezies on. We just finished one on how to grocery shop. And Laura Dietrich takes people through a grocery store on a Prezi, and it's really informative. So I think you need to give people the tools to empower themselves and be healthy. And that's what we're about at Plant Pure, um, is, is getting people to be independent, healthy eaters. So you, before we started taping, we just did a sound check, and I just asked you lightheartedly why you hate podcasts. And what came out of your <laughs> mouth was, um, I'm an introvert in an extroverted world. So you're not only an introverted and extroverted world, you have been sort of interjected into a world in which you are now a spokesperson, you're a media personality, you do cooking classes, you travel on tour where your movie is shown. What's like what drives you to uh to to put up with what must be sort of some some just degree of of like under underlying dis- discomfort at being the center of attention? I've gotten better at it. The more you do it, the more you practice, the better you get. I remember the first time Nelson asked me to speak in front of, I don't know, there must have been 250 people. And I thought I was going to throw up. I I didn't know what I was going to do, but it it worked out okay. And people asked the right questions and darn, I knew the answers. (laughs) It's amazing when you, when you, when you're passionate about something, how easy it just kind of flows. So it's, it's gotten better. Um, But the thing that drives me and that keeps me doing this is hearing the stories. And that's why I listen to your podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts because I love hearing the stories we were talking as we were walking over here about the people who have had amazing health journeys um, from losing weight to, to healing from diabetes. That's what keeps me going. And what keeps me passionate about the food, about the education, is staying connected to the people and hearing the stories. And I, I, I would say it's the same for Nelson too, both of us. Now, one thing that Plant Pure Nation has done differently than than a lot of other sort of plant based movements is you made a choice, or Nelson made a choice, or you together with the team made a choice to go after people who are really hard to reach with this message, mm-hmm. right? So you're not going for the Malibu, California crowd. You're not going for the upscale Chapel Hill, uh, you know, Whole Food eaters. Can you talk about like? Who who are who is your target market for the message of uh, of Plant Pure Nation? All of America. I mean, just just regular folks and 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 rural communities and suburban communities. You know, not just one demographic. Um, that's what I hear you saying. 
And I think if you really look at who's sick and who doesn't have the correct information and who is relying on their doctors for health care, um, it's, it's rural America. It, we, we raised the kids in northern North Carolina up in Oxford, and I, I, I find that the information there was they never heard of this before. What, where, where, where did this come from? It's just not something their physicians were telling them. It's not something that, of course, obviously the government's not telling them this. So I'm sort of passionate about getting to those people and those communities, everyday all-American people. Right, and so you know, for the for the jump starts, at least you you were you were working with uh, rural communities, with uh, with rural churches, with a, a large number of people who are, um, you know, in poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were subsidizing, as I recall, Some, the, yep. the, a bunch of of the meals, and also you know, I remember when the when the crew was starting to film, we we went out to a family that they were like what, beef farmers. Or, oh yes, Jeff and Mindy. They're beef Jeff farmers, grass, grass-fed beef grass-fed farmers. Grass-fed beef farmers. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, you're you're not going for picking them off at the margins. You're going, to, you know, to the heart of the American meat-loving heartland of mm-hmm. people whose lives are hard, for whom food is a comfort, and you're saying to them, "This is a different. You know, here's a different way of eating that will make you much healthier and happier." What made you guys decide to tackle that? Because, like you know, as a marketer, I would have said, "No, don't, yeah. don't do that. Don't, go for the people who are ready to hear the message. Let it trickle down." You guys immediately went sort of grassroots into into the the people who I would say would be most resistant. I think part of that is because those were the communities where Nelson and I grew up. You know, those, you know, you're talking about my parents and, and, you know, Colin grew up on a dairy, he was a dairy farmer. Um, Nelson grew up out in the country. You know, those are the people that we connected with. We went to school with people that, you know, that we were familiar with. So we wanted to change minds. And and that's where a lot of the sickness is. It's sickness is everywhere. I, I guess it's not, it's, it's not, doesn't choose its demographics, but I think that, um, it has to do with where, where we're from, and as far as picking church communities, one of the reasons that we wanted to do that is because you have ready-made pods, ready-made support groups. Uh, we did a jumpstart in our own church in uh, Hillsboro just recently, and then the nice thing about it was you know, we almost started our own little pod, and every Wednesday night we'd get together for supper, and people would show up just because they knew that Kim Campbell was going to bring a dish. And because they knew that uh, we could talk about their plant-based journey. And we did. And so churches are just a great place to start because you've got that ready-made pod. That's that's one of the messages of the movie. You know, as I was watching the, I saw it for the first time, the whole thing, I think at a screening in Chapel Hill. And, you know, I was expecting sort of a forks over knives type of thing. And you kept pivoting, Right, and, and and it sort of ended with this re- this call for a, a recreation of real community around you know, the, a local farmer, around like the way any traditional society would have existed, where the the community is where the food and the water is. Um, so how how you know how has that played out in in the work that you're doing? Is you're not just trying to get people to eat chickpeas and and wheat balls, right? You're also asking them to you know, again, with, with this work in the church, like you can see how powerful it is when there is an existing community and how much you can leverage that. So what are you guys doing to, to foster that 
um, you know, as part of the mission? Well, we really believe that communities change from the grass, you know, from grassroots. And it's starting from the, 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 t- the bottom and working your way up because you're never going to start at the top and work your way down. Um, the pods we have, I can't give you exact numbers. We have uh, several hundred pods around the country and some are out of the country. And there's education going on in those pods. There's community support. Um, also, Nelson is looking at um, one of his social mission, missions is to look for a city where we can pilot a strategy for a community and a citywide health campaign. And we're still, uh, he's still looking for that perfect sweet spot where we can do that. So it's ongoing. And that, that's a conversation you need to podcast with Nelson about. But it's, it's exciting. We're, we're, we're looking forward to it. And what would what would that entail? Just you know, having the ear of the mayor or the a city commission or a local hospital. Everything you just said, Howie. We need to have people on board. The the you know the politicians, the the medical some of the medical community. We need to have that support in place, and then some you know pods and communities that are on board as well. Sort of a starting point, and we're looking for that perfect sweet city that would be. A great place to start is a is a sort of a pilot uh, way to launch this from two cities all over the country. Yeah. So let's uh, we've we've done half an hour on theory. Let's talk about the food. Um, so one one of the things I've noticed about your cookbook, the new one, the Plant Pure Kitchen, and then the old one, I think it was called the Plant Pure Nation Cookbook, mm-hmm. and also you know, your your uh, sister in law cookbook uh leanne's oh leanne wrote the china study cookbook. the china study cookbook they're very similar in to me in uh in terms of being very accessible and familiar Mm -hmm. so i know you mentioned that that's how you grew up and you know your first uh you would go to these cookbooks and try to veganize them which cookbooks in particular did you did you um first go to uh before um well, we had the, we had Moosewood. You know, everybody went to Moosewood because that was the vegetarian cookbook. But uh, it was far from vegan, so we used that one quite a bit. Um, I, you know, growing up, my mom always had Betty Crocker and the Pillsbury cookbooks, and you know, all of those very traditional recipes that that we're all used to. And and my sister in law, I think she would say the same thing: is that she also was pulling on on traditional recipes that her mom made and and actually probably the similarity in the cookbooks is because my mother-in-law is a fabulous cook and she taught us she taught all of us how to how to make things plant-based and I you know I I thank her for that because you know there were little things that she did that I didn't you know I didn't know that you could use apples when I was 16 I didn't know that you could use applesauce instead of butter or bananas instead of butter and that's what she was using and so she sort of taught all of us some of those initial tricks and then uh, now we teach her stuff. <laughs> yeah. So when you are starting to put together, let's talk about this, the cookbook that we have in front of us here. Um, by the way, gorgeous cover. I'm, uh, I'm going to make the, uh, the roasted, uh, the uh, stuffed peppers, I think, I think tonight. Can I put a plug in while you're talking about those beautiful pictures? Oh, yeah. Um, my son did the pictures. And the pictures in Plant Pure Nation were beautiful. They were done by Brian Olson. And so I think my son, Colin, uh, felt like he had some pretty big boots to fill because Brian was a good photographer. But I think Colin did a beautiful job with these pictures. And I will say it's 
really fun to work with your kids on a project. And my daughter also, her name is in the cookbook too, because she did a lot of the educational materials. That's Whitney, right? Whitney, right, Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, you guys have have certainly have a a family franchise. (laughs) It's a family affair. (laughs) Yeah. So what when you so when you start thinking about a new cookbook and you've got just a blank word document on your computer how do you how do you start what's the first thing you do well i don't have a blank word document i have folders and i'm always saving recipes so i i, I have a folder right now called extra recipes and i've i think i've already got 30 recipes in there so i always well since we started doing jump starts i save everything so i have it in fact, when Plant Pure, when the Plant Pure Nation cookbook came out, I had already had about a hundred of these recipes, you know, saved. So that's just what I do. It's my hobby, and I, I really enjoy it. Um, so, so what is it? What is what does that look like in your daily life? That you'll, you know, you'll think of a dish that you like, or you'll see something somebody else has done that's not quite plant pure enough. Mm-hmm. Like, like how would how how might give me an example of okay, like a recipe uh, you stumble upon and. I, for for example, I and I don't have it in this cookbook, but I love spinach artichoke dip. You know how you go to a restaurant and they have that spinach mm. artichoke dip? Oh, it's so good. And we never order it because it's full of cheese and, and you know, Parmesan. So I thought, how could I make that plant-based? So, you know, I, I kind of in my head think about what I think would work. And I look at things like Alfredo sauces and I think about thickeners. And, and I sort of put it all on paper. And uh, then I look around and see, you know, what what they do traditionally and then what other people have done and then kind of build from there, go back to my original recipe. And I, I usually just jot down what those substitutions are. But looking at the traditional recipes and trying to figure out the substitutions is what I love to do. I love to take a horrible, unhealthy recipe and see if I can make it healthy. So do you, do you have like a, a sense memory of the artichoke dip, like as a, as a reference point, to, you know, or do, do you actually have to go and like taste it one more time to get it right? Or do you, or do you just say, well, this, this has the same sort of ingredients and I like it now? Oh, I have to make it a several times. Um, I usually make the first time I make it. I tweak it and change it, write everything down. I have a chalkboard in my kitchen, and and then I make it again and again. I I think before it's ready to be published or go to a publisher, it has to be attested at least four or five times, which was great with Plant Pure Nation because those were tested a lot since we used them for jump starts. Um, This one, I had less testers, so it was a little bit of uncharted waters, I guess. So when you say testers, you mean people eating the food yes. you've made. Mm-hmm. Do you also have testers who then make it themselves? Um, you mean for for this cookbook here for Plant Pure yeah, Kitchen? In in general, because yeah, I you know, I've, like I've I've often like sent recipes to people that I just sort of write down out of my head, and then they say like you say tomatoes in the instructions, but they're not in the yeah, ingredients, like yeah. stuff. Yeah, I I pass it off to uh, family and friends. I have a lot of people that love it when I give them recipes to test. Um, and then the, the publisher does a really good job of saying, you know, you have tomatoes in the ingredients, but nowhere in the directions is it there. So Ben Bella, they have some great editors, and they, they really helped us a lot um, with just those little kind of tweaks. Yeah. So I want to ask you about originality. 
Because there is originality here, but it's not the sort of originality that you'd get from like a Jamie Oliver cookbook where, where they're like, you know, he's pushing the boundaries of culinary, you know, or people with like, you know, these little, uh, you know, glazers, that, you know, the little like, you know, shoot fire yeah, at your food. Yeah. Like, like you're not, you're not trying, you're, you're creating dishes that are very familiar, so where you know, and yet there's a, there's a lot of creativity. I just I just opened up at random to a buffalo style hummus and carrot hummus, neither of which I've seen before. But the idea of making flavored hummuses is is not new. So where do, where does where do you think about the the line between you being creative and risking like people not following you yeah. versus you know just having fun and and expressing yourself in these recipes? Right. I think when you when you push those boundaries, you lose people. And I, I don't want to lose people. I want to keep, like I said before, people who are just entering the plant-based world, they need to have familiar recipes. They need to know what, what to do with potato or what to do with hummus. I know what hummus is. What can I do with it? I think if I push the boundaries, and I have at home, we've had some pretty unusual things that I would never put in a cookbook. But I, these are recipes that I think are, are in most people's memories and are easy to prepare and, and just not too strange. I use the cookbooks primarily as a, as a way to entice people into this diet. I don't want people to look at the dishes and say, oh, that's, that's, that's weird, that's strange. I, I don't think I could cook that. I don't think my family would like that. That's the other focus I have is um, families. I, I, I'm a... I taught school and I've had three kids and it's really important to me to provide books for people that their whole family will. Enjoy. Yeah. And the, the pictures are very inviting. The, 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 you know, the food is very colorful. So, you know, one, one of the nice things about being plant-based yeah. is that yeah. plants are pretty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you don't have to do as much, uh, you know, undertaking as mm -hmm. when you're, when you're having, you know, dead slabs of meat on your plate, you know, to quite, crust them and cover That's them. That's what our photographer so said for the first book. He said that uh, he he never he never photographed such clean food because he thought he was going to have to spray things and, and wipe things down with oil and grease, and he never really had to do that. So he was amazed at how beautiful the food was and clean. Hmm. Yeah. So the other thing I'm noticing, and from, from cooking from your previous cookbook and the one dish I've made from this one, is that they're pretty easy they don't have a lot of ingredients and they don't take a lot of time is that important it's to you? very important um i think that's where this book stands out a little differently than the first one because the first one in my head um i wanted this to be a, a, a resource for people but i these are recipes that we were feeding people and i wasn't thinking about oh do i have 12 ingredients or do i have 20 ingredients i didn't care i was just trying to create recipes that i i knew that people would like when i did plant pure kitchen um I didn't have, I don't have sub recipes. I have a shorter number of ingredients, um, quicker and easier. I know my sister says she likes this book better because it's, it's, it's easier to cook from. I think the plant pure nation is just as easy to cook from, but you know, you have to have to try it on for yourself and see what you think. The other difference between this book and the first one is, uh, this one here is primarily gluten-free. I don't want to say it's gluten-free because there's a bread chapter, but if you go through, my daughter had noticed, the one who had, was helping me, said she noticed that this book seemed like it was 90% gluten-free. 
And if it wasn't gluten-free, she said it's easy to make it gluten-free. So she was the one that uh, pushed me to put a chart in the book. She actually developed the chart and did a beautiful job um, on what, you know, if there if it calls for flour, whole wheat flour, what can you use instead of whole wheat flour that's gluten-free? What can you use instead of soy sauce that's gluten-free? So she came up with that that clever chart. And also when I look at the recipes, it's it's not, it's a very sort of, basic middle-of-the-road interpretation of whole food plant-based. Like, it's not a raw cookbook. It has, you know, pasta in it. It has some flour. It has molasses, a little bit of maple syrup. It's not, um, you know, it's not, I, I'd say, what I'd say is it's, it's, it's healthy, but it's not strict. Were there discussions about, like, ingredients that would be permitted or forbidden or a, a, a particular style? Um, no, but... But I, I want to have this conversation, and I, I, I kind of wanted to have it um, today with you. And I, I think if you go back when I tell you that my mom was talking about how complicated all of this is, once you decide you're going to be plant-based and then you walk into that lifestyle, I think there's this idea that being plant-based has to be complicated because there are so many rules and boundaries around eating this way. And there's been a lot of talk about high-fat plant foods such as avocados, such as nuts and seeds or coconut, we should or we shouldn't eat these things. Um, and so then we start developing rules, plant-based rules. And I, I think that's kind of dangerous. And, 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 and I, the reason I think it's dangerous is because I go back to what my father-in-law told me 35 years ago, and you know this because you co-authored Whole, that if we start looking at specific plant foods and we exclude them, for reasons that let's say we don't eat mushrooms because mushrooms don't have enough fiber or we don't eat celery because celery doesn't fit into that one-to-one -one ratio with sodium or I know spinach contains a lot of sodium. If we look at food individually and we say, well, we, we're not going to eat that food because it has this these qualities, I think that more and more people are starting to do that. And I, I, I don't know why, but they need to read whole. <laughs> and I do think that there are high-fat plant foods that we need to be moderate with. You know, you don't want to have a bowl of nuts in your kitchen and eating out of them hand to mouth. But I think it's okay to use them when you're cooking. I know we put them on our cereal in the morning. I'm not afraid of them. I use them for sauces. I use them for in, in burgers. Um, we put, last night we had potatoes and I put some avocados. I'm just not afraid of those things. And I, I just uh, get concerned when, it, when we complicate it for people. Because my father-in-law always said, uh, eat whole foods, uh, eat a variety of whole foods, and don't eat processed foods. Minimize processed foods. And th th those are the rules that work for us, and it's pretty simple. Right. I think the, the way I think about it is, is you know, in the, the work that I do with Josh Lajani in the Big Change Program is we talk about naturally attainable quantities. So that, you know, whole, well, the way I think of whole now is not just the food, like a cashew is a whole food, but a three-pound bag of shelled cashews <laughs> right. from from Costco is not how our ancestors would have found them in the wild. So to, to sort of consider, like, what would have, how would we have eaten if we didn't have this giant industrial food complex delivering things to us just on a conveyor belt? And you know, as I look at the recipes, so here's the Asian noodle salad has a tablespoon of maple syrup. Um, and that looks to me, and I guess, you know, tamari or soy sauce is sort of a processed food. But when I look at it, that, like, that's the only 
and then your the the whole grain soba noodles. Mm-hmm. The, you know, you're basically having like ninety nine percent of this meal is whole plant foods, um, and you're not. You know, there's a freedom in like not having to. So you know, sort of obsess over every single gram of every single ingredient. Right, right. I agree. And the and the maple syrup and the tamari sauce or whatever's in there, I can't see from a distance. But um, those those foods actually kind of help the medicine go down because those are your flavorings and those are those are what makes it taste good. And I think if you can figure out how to limit your maple syrup or your dates or and I know dates are a whole food, but they're also high in sugar too. So if you know if you can learn how to minimize those and still get that flavor to pop, uh, that's that's what I love to do. Right. Essentially, what this cookbook is saying to America is, it's not an either or. You don't have to enjoy your food or be healthy. You don't have to eat responsibly or save money. That this is this is sort of a, a, a middle path in which you can have the best of everything. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think food is something that we should enjoy. It's a, it's a big part of our culture and our life. And if you take that away from people, it's not sustainable. They're not going to, they're, they're not going to continue to do it. Um, but if you can, if you can add flavor and food can be enjoyable and pleasant and fun to create, I think people are far more likely to be successful with it. Yeah. So you have in front of you two pages of notes that you <laughs> that you brought that you worked hard on. So I want to make no, sure. Not really. <laughs> I just forget to say things, Howie, and then I then afterwards I think I should have told him this. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I mean, you've got um, some really good questions here, and you know I don't always know what questions to ask. So. Um, I'll just read one. What What are the biggest stumbling blocks for people just beginning? And I love I love asking you this question because you know I have an answer. Everybody has an answer, but you have an answer based on the experience of dealing with people who are really beginning mm-hmm. and who don't know anything. And you know they haven't come to you asking for advice. You've sort of you know Plant Your Nation has sort of like shown up on their doorstep and made this invitation. So like what what in real life what stops people or or makes it hard? Well, I think what I was just talking about with the rules, the, you know, should I eat raw or should I eat grains or should I eat nuts? You know, it's sort of letting, letting go of those rules and, and trying to eat whole food, plant-based, um, trying to get away from processed foods like oils and excessive sugars and things like that. So keeping it simple. I just had this conversation with my mom. It's not complicated. Just keep it simple. And then, you know, learn how to clean out your pantry and commit, you know, go in your pantry and get rid of it. And I know a lot of people say, well, but I I might need that cake mix or that can of soup. But if you commit to it and get rid of it, out of sight, out of mind. So commit to that, um, restock it, invest in the, and it's not, it's not expensive to be plant-based, but to get started and, and stock up your pantry on whole grains and, you know, buying the nuts and seeds that I use for cooking, um, you know, having those things and uh, learning how to read labels, that's all part of it. Developing a really nice uh, s- spice rack, that all, all of that's part of it. And then learning how to deal with family and friends, that could be a whole podcast. <laughs> but, you know, as you do this, people are going to right away start quizzing you. 
why are you doing this? And, and of course, most people want to put their two cents in. So educate yourself because there's so many uh, podcasts. There's, there's TED Talks. There's books. I highly recommend people read Whole and they read The China Study. And then they go to Michael Greger's How Not to Die. Maybe, you know, start looking at YouTube videos. Anything you can get your hands on because then you can you can respond to people, family and friends who are not necessarily supportive or it's not that they're not supportive, it's that they're they don't understand. They've never heard this information. So, you know, sort of fueling yourself up for those responses. And I know that there's the eCornell course that people can take too, and that's a wonderful way to educate yourself. Um the other thing is to 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 have fun and enjoy it. And I know people stress about going out to eat and, you know, look at going out to eat differently. Look at going out to eat as a way to, to be with friends and enjoy family members instead of just being about the food. Um, a lot of times when Nelson and I go out to eat, it is not about the food. It is about sitting down and having somebody bring me food so I can relax and enjoy my husband or my kids. Um, so, so in keeping it simple and in, in, Starting out with those foods that you really enjoy, um, you know, if you like potatoes, then eat potatoes. If you like uh, lasagna, then eat lasagna because I have all of those recipes here. You know, really, really simple, keeping it simple and um, finding a tribe and like-minded souls is really important. And, and if you're in a community where you can't find that, um, go online. There's, there's, well, there's Plant Peer Nation pods that you can you can connect with. You can go to meetup groups. Find that one friend who seems to be interested in what you're doing. Go out and have lunch. Talk about it. Share it. Just find a, a like-minded soul. I think that's really important for success. And I think did I that you know and be forgiving. I think we fall we all fall off the wagon now and then. If I was training for a marathon and I did, didn't work out for a day should I just give up and not do it no you get right back get right back on the path two or three days later and start running and, and continue it and if you mess up with your meals on the weekends or you know you you don't stay plant-based that's okay because that's part of the journey is you get better at it the, the more you do it so now you raised your kids on pretty much this. It sounds like you were in the last stages of a transition to where you are now mm-hmm. when they were young. Um, what do you what do you find works for people who have kids who are already, you know, set in their ways, eight, 10, right. 12, right. 15? How, 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 how can you get them on board? Well, first of all, you have to remember that they're people. And I used to have to tell myself that when I was teaching because sometimes – Sometimes they don't feel like people when they're eight years old and they can be difficult, but they're people. They're people just like you and I. So respecting them and with an adult, you would, first thing you do if somebody's asking you questions is you educate them. So let your kids know why you want to do this for them. You know, expose them to the materials, the same materials that you're exposed to. If they're eight years old, have them watch Forks Over Knives or or find those documentaries that kind of resonate with them. And then... um, I would say include them, incorporate them into the meal planning, into the cooking. I was, I taught science and my motto was, you know, hands-on learning. That's kids learn by doing. They learn by experiencing. You can't just tell them. So if, if you want kids to eat 
unusual foods that they've never eaten before, take them to the Asian market, have them pick out something, come home, find a recipe, make it. You'd be amazed what kids love if they have ownership in the food. And then, you know, be forgiving of them because they're going to make mistakes and you can't beat them up for it if they, not literally, but I mean, you... (laughs) You have to you have to recognize that they're gonna do they're gonna make the same mistakes that you make, and then and then modeling for them if they see you sneaking chicken nuggets uh, off to the side or doing things you shouldn't do, you're modeling that to them. So that's that's the tough part about parenting. We're always we're always being watched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the book is just how long has it been out now? Um, it came out in January. Okay. End of January. Um, so it's been out for a while. What is next for, for you, for Plant Pure Nation? Um, for Plant Pure Nation right now, we're, we're really focused on the food and getting the food right because that's, I think that's what people really need, um, to transition to this. Uh, uh, for, for me, I'm always doing recipe development for Plant Pure Nation and for the frozen line, for the dry line. So always expanding on that. Um, and providing education for people. Uh, I do a lot of videos around culinary education because I think that's what people need. It's free. Uh, we're doing, I do the top-down hands video where you can see the, the quick and easy, we call them plant pure in a minute, where I'm making a meal. And you can watch it in a minute, and hopefully it'll inspire you to try some different meals. So I'll put that link in the show notes but for people who are just listening. Where can they find them? If you go on Facebook, um, Plant Pure Nation, we put we put up we're trying to put up one video a week. Um, our goal is to get to two. We've already put a couple up. We've just started this, and then we were doing I don't know if you knew about this, Howie. We were doing Facebook Lives every Thursday. Um, we're not doing it every Thursday. We're doing it once or twice a month because it got it got crazy busy at Plant Pure Nation, so we had to scale back a little bit. But we turn our phones on. And invite people into our kitchen, and Nelson talks about the Plant Pure Nation organization. I talk about food, and together we build meals. And it's just just to show people that this isn't complicated; it's easy. And then the videos that I do, again, you know, showing people how to you know how to think outside the the box with food. So my goal is to always continuously educate people about how to do this because it seems to be the number one question. So I want you to talk just before we go briefly about the the food lines from a consumer's perspective, like what they, how they order, what they get. And the reason I'm pushing this is I have a couple of coaching clients for whom your frozen meals have been lifesavers because they just, they simply, as much as I want to empower them to cook on their own, they're busy, they're uncomfortable in the kitchen. You know, we were constantly talking about the, the sort of behavioral struggles around going shopping, getting the food, preparing the food, eating the food, storing the leftovers. And it was just, it was just a battle. And when I sent them a link the next week, I heard, oh my God, this is, this is easy now. So, so so what, what, what is it like for someone to, to get these meals? Like the, just the sort of experiential details. Yeah. Um, If you order the meals from Plant Pure Nation, you can go to plantpurenation.com. They're also going to be available through Amazon on April 7th. And you can order a package of 10. You can order um, a 10-day jump start, which there'll be 20 meals in that. It'll come to you. Or you can order a la carte. You can pick the meals you'd like, um, and you can get as many or as 
few as you'd like. And it comes to you packed in um, a cooler, and we're working on getting things that are a little more environmentally friendly. Um, it comes to you uh, to your doorstep, and I think it comes in a, I, I think it comes in three to five days. Uh, the frozen food comes in one pound packages, and that's intended for one meal. Um, and then the dry line will come to you also to your doorstep and there's 12 different dry lines did i miss something no okay um but the the frozen the, the frozen meals are seem to be the most popular the other thing that we offer with those are the um, hot logic tr- machines where you put the frozen meal right in the machine plug it in and it warms it up within an hour and a half and that really helps with the integrity and the flavor of the food, um, as opposed to the microwave, we really like that. So I strongly recommend you get the Hot Logic machine if you're going to do the frozen line. So I've never seen one of those. How, how big are they, and how much do they cost? Uh, they look like a they look like a lunchbox. They're about the size of my cookbook, actually, a little bit a little bit bigger, a little bit deeper. Um, but they unzip like a lunchbox, and it's it's got an induction warmer. You just you just slide the frozen meal in there. You don't have to take the the uh, wrap off or anything you just put it in there and it warms up it's oh. it's, it's really handy you haven't seen them no oh, it's a, wonderful sounds a little bit like a slow-mo star trek yeah well it's kind of like a crock pot almost because it takes we had one lady that left hers in for 12 hours and she said it came out was perfect so if you plug it in at eight o'clock in the morning it's ready at 10 or it's ready at five or whatever whenever you want it to be ready um and you don't have to think about it so it kind of slowly cooks like an oven, but it doesn't dry it out. So I think it's a real it's a real asset to the frozen line. Sure. So is the is the movie business done? Like now everything else, the, the rest of the empire is building off of the movie, or is there more, you know, media, more political agitation? Like the stuff that went into the movie, is that still going on as well? I think that Nelson would love nothing more than to do an, another film um, with a city project like I had just discussed before of you know uh, get getting communities um, on board and getting com- communities active so but right now we're focused on the food because the food is what what we use to ge- you know to generate the, the organization so we need to have the financial stability in order to go that one step further Gotcha. Yeah, in the in the plant based community, it's easy it's easy for us to get so caught up in the mission that we forget to feed ourselves. You know, as a, as a, as a as a permaculture farmer, one of the 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 rules of permaculture that we learn right away is, you know, you you can't help the world on an empty stomach. So it's uh, you know it's it's good for all of us to remember that if we're not being sustainable, if we're not taking care of ourselves, then not only are we, is it going to be hard to take care of other people, there's a little bit of hypocrisy going on there as well so you know our um the best of ourselves comes out of abundance but i I do think nelson would love to 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 do another film he's passionate he he never seems to give up um my husband is uh a pretty amazing guy and i'm not just saying that because he's my husband but he's had some some bumps in the road and we both have and we're, we're supportive of each other but he seems to never give up which is wonderful. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I remember a lot of those bumps, and you know, I, I know he, he 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 thinks he's following a roadmap, but I don't think there is a roadmap. <laughs> I I think he's projecting it out. I think he's bushwhacking, uh-huh. and he thinks he's following a map. I you know, just all of the things that he's done um, that have been so mission driven, and some of them have like really caught on, and some of them have gone nowhere, and. You know, when we look at successful people in retrospect, we just, it looks so inevitable. Like, oh, this had to happen and he has got a golden touch and this and that. And to see Nelson like really put his heart into things and sometimes they didn't work out and sometimes he had to reverse and to, you know, to see every time just getting up, dusting himself off and trying the next thing. But isn't that, isn't that how most successful organizations and businesses are that you know people who who have stick to itiveness and you know the uh you know they 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 have they're positive and their outlook is i don't know what i'm trying to say howie but i i think that if you look at businesses and organizations out there that have been successful it takes years and years sometimes to get there and perseverance and i think nelson has has that yeah, I think I mean that's <laughs> that's exactly it. That it's you know if g- give me persistence over luck mm-hmm. and over genius. Not to say that he hasn't had either of those, but uh, you know, uh, if you if you look at what Colin went through from the time he was at Cornell or you know going back to Virginia Tech and all of the hurdles that he's had to overcome, uh, and and his family, his kids watching that, uh, he was a great role model. For all of us, because he, you know, he's 83 years old. He's still not giving up. And when I think about the things that he's had to endure, I probably would have hit underneath the rug at that point because, you know, he's really, he's really had some hardships. And if it weren't for his perseverance, we wouldn't have the China study and we wouldn't have Holt. So I thank him for that. Right. I was thinking about him a couple of weeks ago. Um, when the whole this BBC thing came oh. out and there was like this hatchet job of, the, of a BBC documentary on, on, on him and ignoring Esselstyn's work. And at, this, at that moment, I was listening um, to a, uh, an audio book that was talking about Semmelweis, the guy who discovered, you know, the, the causes of like, uh, you know, childhood sepsis mm-hmm. and, you know, just telling doctors that they needed to wash their hands and use carbolic acid. And, you know, clearly he was ahead of his time. And he ended up like being um, sent to a to an, asi- an insane asylum, where he died of sepsis. And I just wanted to call Colin and say, "You're so you're, you're <laughs> things could be much worse. Like yeah. you know, people are still like doubting you and trying to take you down and throwing slings and arrows at you. But like, look what you've done. Like mm-hmm. you're you're in so much better position. You're mm-hmm. not you're not uh, you know dying of the disease that you." figured out a cure for in an insane asylum. And I, and I think he's been so honored uh, in the plant-based community over the last 10 years. I really, I really do. He goes on the cruise and people, uh, they, they love Colin. And, and I think it's good for him to hear that and to see that kind of success. He, he earned it fair and square. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you know, he's, well, I, I was on one of the cruises and hanging out and seeing people coming up to him and, it, and just, he's still a little bit bewildered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's like I look at him as like oh he's like 
the girl who was ugly until she was 15 <laughs> and never and, and is now gorgeous and yeah. is never really yeah. like he's so sweet and humble. It's funny. We went on the cruise and took our kids, gosh, maybe five years ago, six years ago. And our kids had no idea that he was as well-known as famous, well-known, whatever you want to call it, as he is. And and I said, yeah, Papa's, you know, he's he's kind of a rock star in the plant, plant-based community. So, so the kids always kind of joke about it now, but they didn't realize that. So I think it's it's wonderful that he's getting the kudos for, for all the work that he's done and all the lives that he's saved. Right. Yeah. And and a testimony that uh, that you guys are carrying it on mm-hmm. and, you know, Tom is carrying it on yeah. and uh, Leanne is carrying it on. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a testimony to his perseverance and his spirit mm-hmm. and and the importance of community and family and just in supporting each other because you guys are under attack yeah. from from every other direction but you're really you know close knit right. um, and and you're making a huge difference in the world yes i hope so i hope we're making a difference and i i think we are um, but thank you for having me howie i really enjoyed talking about all of this and and just chatting with you about food because i know you and you and i were in the kitchen a lot um, during jumpstart so i i go back yeah. you go back a long ways with us yeah I, I knew it was unsustainable when you needed me to chop cabbage <laughs> I, I knew this wasn't gonna i remember you over the at the vitamix making mayonnaise you remember that <laughs> i do i do yeah. I, I still yeah i learned a lot of tricks from that so yeah. it's been, it was a good it was a good education yeah well kim campbell thank you so much for for coming out here to uh to my little shed in the boondocks and uh for the cookbook and for everything that you guys are doing, and uh, I'll put in a little plug here for Nelson. Come on, come on down, and we can uh, we can record uh, one for you as well, and also to um, to Kim's parents. Really, twenty one days. Give it a try. Thank you, Howie. That's the nicest thing that you could end with. I hope they listen to this. <laughs> All right, take care. If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. If you're interested in signing up for the Get Moving program with Josh Lajani and me uh, over three months, starting on May 1st, email me, hj at plantyourself.com, to get onto the waiting list. And be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode with links to all the Plant Pure Nation stuff we talked about at plantyourself.com slash 205. If you're new to the show, catch up on 204 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. And if you get the podcast, but not the Big Change Bulldog, my mostly weekly email newsletter, you can sign up and get the label reading report at plantyourself.com slash label. Big thanks to Plant Yourself Podcast transcribing crew, Tracy Scharf and Marjorie Leon. And of course, thanks to all the Plant Yourself Podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jennifer Kanofsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elizabeth Feldman, Victoria Dolmanova, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Patterson, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham. For your generous support of the podcast, you know, that is starting to get easy. I need more names. I need more names to challenge myself, to challenge my VO2 max. And of course, thanks to Will Ridenauer, wonderful musician, for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. 
If you would like to support the show, you can share this and other episodes on social media and via email. You can become a patron of the show with a one-time gift or an ongoing contribution, and you can do that at plantyourself.com, right sidebar, click on Donate or Patreon. And you can also, of course, help with the transcription, either with typing or with some money so that I can pay a typist to transcribe it. And of course, you can write a review on iTunes. We got a new one this week. Let me read it to you. Niichi024 from the United States writes, Essential listening. If you are looking to cut through the noise on all things health-related, you couldn't do better than to spend time with Howard each week. His topics are relevant, informative, insightful. You never know where the conversation will go because you don't know where his endless curiosity will lead him. Howard's intelligent, thoughtful interactions with his guests, his sense of humor, his honesty are just some of the many reasons I look forward to the podcast every week. Wow. Thank you so much, Niichi024. Yeah, I never know where the conversation will go either. And I'm glad to hear that some people think that's a uh, asset rather than uh, a risk. In garden news, I took the bull by the horns this week. You know, my wife is now working full time at a garden center. So I'm going to be doing a lot of the grunt work around here and actually some of the more intelligent uh, leadership kind of work around the garden, not just the grunt work. And this week I started 144 basil plants from seed and they have not popped up yet, but every day I look at them waiting for the miracle and honestly kind of doubting. Like it just seems so improbable with these tiny little things in a bit of dirt with uh, heat mats underneath and some water every couple of days are actually gonna turn into plants. I, I, I know that's how it happens, but it still seems so highly improbable that it's a kind of breathtaking miracle when it does occur. We also got three apple trees that we are gonna be putting somewhere. They're sort of native to North Carolina, so I'm really looking forward to being able to walk out into my backyard and pick some fruit. And the rest of the garden is pretty much overrun with clover. And I'm really champing at the bit to start planting some stuff, but there's clover everywhere, which we have to leave in the ground until it flowers another two or three weeks, because I have to share with the bees, because the bees also need to eat. And I have to remember that it's not just me that I'm planting for. In running news, I did good in the 10K at the Health Fest in Marshall, Texas. Not exactly as fast as I wanted to go, but I also promised myself several times that it was just going to be a relaxation run. It was not going to be a race. And then, of course, as soon as I started, um, I started racing. And so I got a personal record for a 10K. They said 50 minutes and 36 seconds, but that was a lot longer than a 10K. I really went in, according to my watch and according to uh, myself, I really did it slightly under 50 minutes. And it was kind of hilly, and my legs were still aching from the marathon. So next week, I'm running the Crescent City Classic in New Orleans, and I'm really hoping to do it in 47 minutes or less. Well, that's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>